You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 86. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. It is an honor and a privilege to have you here. So excited to finally be back on the actual microphone. I have been away for about the past month. I really hope that you've enjoyed the interview series that I put together for you. Those four guests that we had were absolutely phenomenal, and they bring their own special touch to the sobriety and recovery community, as well as finishing up that month with bringing back Tom Rigsby, who is very familiar with the College Success Habits show, but has yet to come on to the sobriety podcast. And so it was really great to be able to go to Alabama and have him come on because he has his own very unique perspective on what addiction can do to a family. And we're definitely going to have Tom back on in the future so we can really uh, discuss what it's like to go through the addiction process um, from the you know, the family members, the members who are watching the person destroy themselves. And I'm sure for so many of my listeners out there, you were that person who was destroying yourself in front of your friends and family. And for the life of them, they couldn't figure out how to reel you back in. And ultimately, no one can reel you back in. No one can help you understand why getting sober and and stepping into addiction recovery will benefit you until you are ready to see that. And I had an amazing conversation with my therapist this morning on harm reduction and and, and my my purpose and my path and my passion for why I do this stuff. And I really want to get back to basics when it comes with what this show and what we're going to be moving forward and really reminding myself of why I got so into my own addiction recovery program and and being sober and, and wanting to learn and then share that knowledge with you all that I'm coming up on the finishing up of my two years with the podcast. Um, So many things about my life have changed. And I've done a lot of different episodes um, over at the college show, which is very similar topics and and, and pretty much the same message. It's just um, I I gear it towards a different audience, the the future addicts versus, you know, those of us listening to this now. uh, In many cases, we are, you know, the the most recently non-being addicts, you know, we've moved into that sobriety world. And over there, I've been talking a lot about understanding um, choice points, like we talked about uh, last week with Tom. Um, Sometimes I get the podcast mixed up, so I will do a little bit of refresher in case I'm wrong about choice points, but I'm almost positive that Tom and I brought up that we... We've been making these choices our entire lives, and our and our life will fork off. And when these forks occur, we can never return back to that place where we made that decision again. We are now driving down the new highway of this decision, and we have no choice but to live with what we have decided to do. And when we start thinking about getting back to basics, I really want to be able for all of us to be able to harness the energy that we originally took on for what it was like to want to be sober. You know, that feeling that we conjured into ourselves that we knew we were losing a grip on our own reality, that we hadn't had a grasp on our own journey in quite some time. And we've been listening, right, to 
God, it's, I just want to. I want to make sure I accentuate this or just the right way. It's like, why is it we all feel the desire to get sober um, to begin with in our lives? Right? There's this deep down, overwhelming feeling that we've lost touch with who we really were or who we really are, and and even the potential of who we always thought we could be. Right? We've heard this inner voice in our head, and it's. I mean, it, it for how long did it beg us to stop? And now it finally resonates right? A, a, fl- a flip gets switched, right? We have these visions of what our life could be, and now we're ready to see this to a level of will be, right? Not what we could be. We're, we're tired of having these visions of what life could be. We're now ready to see it to that level of a will be fruition, right? Where we're like, oh my goodness, I have now begun accomplishing things. What can get lost in all of this, and certainly for me, and this is why I'm I'm really focusing on my back to basics mentality right now, is that I have progressed along this sobriety and recovery path um, almost to four years now that I have not really paid attention to all of the things that I have accomplished. All All of the the things that I wanted to do four years ago, so many of them have been checked off the list. But as humans, right, we have this, we've talked about this before, this hedonistic adaptation where we just get used to things being around. And again, this is why meetings are great because you get to learn from the newbies where we came from. I remember where I came from. I remember laying on my bedroom floor blacked out or waking up in my bathtub filled, you know, covered in my own filth or the countless times I came to in random places, you know, not having any idea how I got there. I don't, that's fresh, right? It is still there. I have a very vivid imagination. I don't need to necessarily touch those painful memories every single day to remember why I chose to get sober. Right, but when when I got sober, all I wanted was to pick up the pieces of my life, to, to put my life. It's not even back together, right? Because I didn't even have a template for what my life should have looked like or what it could have looked like, would have looked like had I not chosen copious amounts of alcohol and drugs straight out the gate when I graduated high school. I was basically, it wasn't basically. I was literally starting from scratch and figuring it all out. At that moment, now, yes, I had my skills and the tools and the knowledge that I had attained up until the age of 40, but what I was going to do with my life, where I was going to build it moving forward, all of that was just this amazing, beautiful mystery. It's such a mystery. And I see so many of us on Instagram posting about, you know, remembering what it was like then and, and moving forward now. And... You know, my therapist and I, in this conversation we had today, you know, she reminded me of a couple things. You know, one is that it's, and she even said this about herself, it is not her job to get people sober. It is her job to introduce to people the potential that they have beyond addiction. And I, and she didn't say that, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's how I see myself now. So I'm doing the best kind of remembering I can from a conversation that happened a few hours ago. But it really, it really touched touched me when she said that because I have long said that, you know, I'm not the person that you call up when you are trying to figure out how to get sober because I'm not so sure that my way would work for everybody else, right? I don't know if there is any way 
If somebody were to say, Jesse, what is the best way for me to get sober? I can throw out a hundred different scenarios. I have no idea which one is going to spark your vibration, which one will resonate with you, where you'll be able to see yourself taking in what I've just told you and moving forward with it. Right? We all have this different view of what our lives could become, and we hear an infinite amount of people wanting to chime in with what they think we should be doing. But the true fact of the matter is, is it's what you feel is best going to work for you. I recently had someone hit me up on IG in the DMs and ask me, would it be possible for them to quit cocaine but still consume alcohol for a while because their real major problem they were having was with just copious amounts of cocaine that they were consuming. My initial reach back out to him was that of, you know, I probably would recommend that you just quit everything. Because if you saw, if you go off and start drinking, then you might drink just the right amount that all of a sudden cocaine sounds like a good idea again. So my initial response to him was, stop everything. And he came back and was like, look, I, I totally see your point. I, I've listened to your podcast. I understand where you're coming from there. I'm just asking you personally, could I quit cocaine and still drink for a while and then deal with the drinking down the road? And it occurred to me in the moment of responding to him that the second time around, that the way I responded the first time, it was my words, but was it exactly the way that I felt? Was, was I resonating or was, was, I, was I writing things that I, I, of, of this amalgamation of knowledge that I'd taken? Or was I truly just simply saying what first came to mind? Now, I'm not saying that what I first wrote him was wrong or, or was even not what I actually thought, because I do believe that if you're looking to get sober and move into addiction recovery and heal the wounds from the past, you need to do it with a clear brain throughout. But I'll tell you this much, if you're snorting down your, you know, a baby's arm worth of cocaine every single night, and you want to get rid of that first and then work your way towards absolute sobriety down the road, then fuck yeah, do that. Because that's what I did. And this is the part that blew my mind. Like I sometimes get it. I did, this is why I'm getting back to basics because I have so much in my head now, so many things that I've learned and you do too. You, whether you've gone to rehab or you've gone to hundreds of meetings or you've gotten a sponsor, refuge, whatever it is, what you originally thought sobriety and recovery was going to look like from you now has all of these different influences, right? And we're, and we're sort of... Not, not juggling them, but as much as we are just adding them into our backpack of life. And at some point, it, everybody else's ideas for what it is you could be thinking or saying or feeling or responding with, it, it can muddle what you really want to say. And we lost our voice for so long because of addiction that we just sort of gave in when other people pushed us because we knew that we were just one blackout away from pushing their buttons. So best to keep them on the good side rather than trying to push for what we really wanted, knowing full well we had a major stumble coming up. So when I responded the second time, I was like, absolutely, absolutely. If cocaine is what's got your button right now, then boot it. And if you're still having a drink or two or 10 or whatever that looks like to you with your partner, if that's, if that's your game, if that's what you want to do, then do it, right? Because I did that. At 30 years old, when I graduated college, I basically released cocaine. I probably dabbled in it another 20 or 30 times in my 30s, but the fact that I can know for a fact that it was somewhere between 20 and 30, when in my 20s, 20 or 30 would have been the amount of times I did it in a month, 
to me, 20 or 30 times over the course of 10 years was a remarkable, remarkable achievement. And in fact, I would say over from 36 to 40, it probably was less than five times. And that was because I was dating a woman who really enjoyed cocaine. And so she just always had it around. But once I decided that I I could no longer wake up with that cocaine hangover, it went away because she went away. And therefore, cocaine never came back into my life. And it was still another three or four years until I finally said goodbye to alcohol. Getting rid of LSD and ketamine and um, ecstasy and uh, opium and and things like that, those, those were progressions throughout my 20s. Once I got it nearer to my 30s, I really started trying to cut back on everything. And I dabble back in here or there with the cocaine and the marijuana. Uh, and again, marijuana sort of stuck around all the way until, you know, the very end of my heavy drinking because it just, it wasn't doing it for me either. But I would certainly smoke a couple hits when I was blacking out just to make sure I could push the blackout to happen faster. But ultimately, I, let me get back to this gentleman on Instagram. You know, that's what I did. I literally let cocaine just fade out of my life, just like I did the rest. I didn't consciously say, that's it, no more LSD. Had someone offered it to me, I may or may not have taken it, but I didn't go out seeking it, right? We've all made varying decisions in our lives to start to release certain patterns, certain behaviors. So if you are at a point where you're sober curious or you are getting sober, it's like whatever level of release you need to do in order to begin to move toward who you really know you can be, who you really are, then I am not someone who will by any stretch of the imagination tell you step by step how you should do it because I don't know. Anyone who does is merely giving you their reference point for how they did it. Or maybe they've seen tons of other people do it, and so they're giving you the law of averages. Right? Oh, well, you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say they're going to quit cocaine, but then they went back to drinking a bottle of bourbon every night, and it wasn't too long till cocaine came back. I bet you there's just as other, many other people who quit cocaine straight up, still drink a bottle of bourbon, and you never knew that they'd ever even done cocaine because you never saw them doing it. We only know what we know about people based off what they're willing to show us, tell us, speak to us about, you know, allow to be around us. I mean, think about that for a moment. Whenever you start to to wonder where all your family members were as you were digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into the addiction hole, how many of them were really, really knowledgeable about what it was you were actually doing? We were remarkably good at fabricating entire conversations, entire situations in order to make sure that the, um, the story we wanted presented to our friends and family was coming out the way we decided it. Now, you know, the chance that somebody who knew a friend or family member who saw you out partying would go back behind your back and tell them what they really saw you doing. Yeah, that was always going to happen. I mean, that was inevitable at times. But for the most part, we could control the narrative to a certain extent. Dragging our ass around the house, hung over, sleeping all the time, hiding in the dark during the day and, and being out all night certainly would give them the inclination to believe that we were no longer in control of our behaviors but we certainly were able to control the narrative to a certain extent. When we step into sobriety, we step into the idea that I'm tired of freaking managing this bullshit. Life is 
complex, man. Every single time I think I've got a grasp and a grip on some of this stuff, it just comes back a whole different way. It's like, you know, uh, my parents are constantly fighting with the varmints in their yard for eating their garden. And when they figure out a way to get rid of the snails, here come the ants or here come the, the wood wasps or here comes the armadillo or here comes the possum. It's like one critter after another just keeps showing up. And it's pretty comical listening to them talk about how they're trying to constantly fend off varying species of animal from eating their garden. But ultimately what the metaphor I'm drawing here is that no matter how many varmints you get rid of out of your garden, there's always going to be another one showing up ready to eat your lettuce. (laughs) So you don't ever really get a true grip on what's going on. We just start to be able to control um, our response to it. Right? That's what we're looking for here is just a better way of, of just dealing with the ups and downs, ebb and flows of life, managing addiction on top of that. It's just, it was too much for me. I got tired of it. And so when my therapist likes to remind me that I was extremely ego driven when I first got sober and that my ego was, was both internally based and externally projected, that was really awesome for me to be reminded because I did just to make sure I wrap up the Instagram guy. I mean, I told him, look, Get rid, ditch the Coke and drink to your heart's content if, that what, if that's what's going to help you move forward. Because again, it's not my job to get you completely sober, right? I, I, I don't want to lead a horse to water and then make them drink. I basically want the horse already to be circling around the watering hole, just sort of figuring it out and then saying, you know, I need a better way to drink. I want the horse to be sitting there drinking and barely getting 10% of the water in in its mouth. And then I say, look, let me show you this different way. And now all of a sudden the horse is drinking 50% of the water that it laps up. Right? I don't want to drag someone kicking and streaming into sobriety. I have no interest in doing that. I don't even have the energy to do that. Other people out there do. And those people are blessings to the world. And I would recommend you go find them if you're to the point where you're kicking and screaming. But if you're ready to settle into this highway that is, that is true fulfillment, I'm your guy. You got a major project that you want to accomplish in your life, I'm your dude. You, you got a vision for where life could be in 10 years and you want to see it to fruition, give me a call. Because that's, that's where my ego got me when I first started this. When I, when I walked into this program, I thought I had it all under control. And there were so many aspects of sobriety and recovery I hadn't even begun to learn about. But I knew one thing for freaking sure. There was no way in hell an intoxicant was going past my lips, up into my nose. And if you want to, what's that train spotting movie where you like stick some pill up his ass? I don't even know about that, but that wasn't happening either. <laughs> when I walked into this program, I was, I was ego driven. You know, I didn't mean for it to be externally projected, but it was very much internally based, meaning I know I got this. I know this is it. I had tried many times before to just practice sobriety, but I never stepped into recovery. I just practiced sobriety. I tra- I practiced abstinence. I did abstinence. Maybe I was practicing sobriety. But the point is that it wasn't until I slowed down began to really self-reflect when Melissa 
explained to me this triumvirate of gratitude, humility, and integrity, that I started to step into the true healing process that addiction recovery provides. Like, ego divides people. If you get into a conversation and your goal is to be right rather than to connect, that's your ego doing that, and you'll accomplish neither. You will neither connect nor will you be right because you're only really right in your own head. Mia, facts are facts. The sun rises in the east and sets to the west and the earth is round. I don't care what any flat earther wants to say. The earth is round unless we are in the matrix, and then all, well, then the whole damn thing's a, a, a hallucination. The whole damn thing's a hologram. And at that case, we're dealing with things beyond our little tiny human brain's capacity to even begin to understand. We're not Neo. We haven't had the chance to take the red or blue pill. And if you're out there and you've taken the red or blue pill or even been offered it, then you sure as hell aren't telling everybody about it because that probably breaks some sort of matrix rule. When we get into the idea of slowing it down and being self-reflective, and we want to regain the connection with ourselves, right? If you want to be authentic, then you you need to use this integrity-driven purpose. I recently did an episode over on the college show called Purpose is Passion and Service. The way that passion and purpose begin to grow within you is that it starts off at the very like infantile, you're an infant, right? You're curious. You're one to touch everything, ask a ton of questions. You're just, you're really just expanding your vision past your own nose, right? When you're an infant, it's sort of you versus the world. And as you grow older, it becomes your, your, your tribe, your clan versus the world. But it, it's not really we versus them as much as it's just you versus you the entire time. These voices in your head that tell you that you have to do this, that, or the other. They say, if, if, if somebody challenges my way of thinking, then they're challenging my core belief structure and I must defend the, the human brain, even though our society seems very technology, technologically advanced, the human brain is still very much living in that cave where any kind of um, perceived attack on our well-being is life-threatening rather than just a uh, you know, simple uh, judgment or perhaps it's an acceptance-based, um, you know, I wouldn't even say attack, but it's just there, is, there are those people who will disagree with what you say or what you do. That's not an attack on your life. It's just, a general, it's just a general judgment about what you're doing, about what you're thinking. And look, everybody's going to have their own opinion. Those people who step beyond that opinion other people have from them, those are the ones who accomplish the great things in their life. If other people are following the script of, you know, graduate high school, go to college, get out, get married, have babies, have a white picket fence, and you decide to completely flip that script and do your own thing, yeah, some of them might get a little perturbed. Either they wish they'd have flipped the script or they're trying to step in and and help you by keeping you, quote unquote, safe. To step into this connection with myself and going back to what I was saying about purpose and passion and being of service, you start off at this curiosity stage, 
right? And, and it should never feel like it's you versus them. It's you versus the world, because then you're going to be aggressive towards everyone. Because heaven forbid somebody disagrees with the way that you think. So just let's just agree on that. And look, releasing a lot of this stuff isn't going to be easy. I'm going to tell you right now, I still get emotionally triggered and I've done 20 episodes about emotionally triggeredness. I, I still have my emotional ups and downs and I've done plenty of topics about that. I catch myself, you know, a coach isn't, doesn't necessarily have their entire lives figured out, but we certainly have a plan in place for when things go awry. That's all I'm here to teach you is when things go awry. So when you're looking for this passion and purpose in your life and you're at, you know, start looking for things that you're curious about. Once you start to really get curious about something and you might be dabbling in curiosity on a couple at a time, right? Then all of a sudden something's going to reach out and really pique your interest. And that's when you move into more of this childlike phase where you're just interested in everything. You're just, your interests are abound, right? It's like you're that dog and up. You're just, you're, you're, you go from curious to interested, interested to curious. You're all over it and you love it. And that's, that's beautiful. I'm, learning, I'm teaching myself the ukulele right now at the same time I'm practicing the guitar and I've been watching these awesome videos on shuffle dancing on Instagram and I've been practicing that. I tell somebody the other day that I, I'm, I'm practicing shuffle dancing and she laughs and she says, yeah, I was, I was into that in sixth grade and just walks away and you're funny. And I, why? Why is that funny? To me, shuffle dancing looks incredibly freeing. I used to dance like that when I was a raver. But now I see it again in a whole different light. I'm like, man, how freeing was that? Yeah, in sixth grade, you were probably extremely free and you just sort of did what you wanted when you were around people that accepted you for who you were. So why would we ever want to release that? Let's go back there. Let's go back there. Let's do that again. Right? So you go from curious to interested and then you start getting passionate about something. Like I'm passionate about my sobriety and recovery. I'm passionate about introducing myself to new extraordinary things that I had never even thought could exist in my life. New extraordinary things that you didn't even know could exist in your life. That's what I love talking about. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be involved with. That's why I got into life coaching and business coaching and got into NLP. New extraordinary awesome things that are in my life that I didn't even, it's like, I saw other people living it and didn't ever think that it could actually be me. I don't want to drag people to the sobriety life. I want you to be ready to embrace that. I want you to realize that there's, there's better for you out there. Are you having communication issues? I got you. Are you having work, study, time management issues? I got you. Are you having self-belief, limiting belief, and internal monologue, dialogue issues that you, you want to overcome? I got you. These are the things I want to do. This is the books I read. Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is coming down the path soon. It should be here at my house any day now, and I can't wait to read that and bring some of that awesome information to you because I'm all about emotional intelligence right now. Emotional intelligence right now. You know, when I read Limitless by Jim Quick or Daring Greatly or any of the other, you know, 20 some odd books that I had mentioned, one of my uh, faithful listeners, Marcus, once sent me over a list. I couldn't believe how many books I've referenced. Next year, I'm, my goal is to be able to read a book a week. They're not all going to be self-help books. I'm chomping at the bit to get back into Dante's Inferno. I've, what about Gilgamesh? There's some really kick-ass books out there that are going to challenge my mind in a way that I haven't remembered challenging it since I was in high school. 
This is what I want us to get back to. If you say, but Jesse, I never had that childhood that you did. and Books weren't a thing for me back then. And studying wasn't my thing. And a well-balanced home or even 10 years of a well-balanced home like I had from, and I'm going to say well-balanced using air quotes here because my mom was dying from Crohn's and secretly drinking herself to death in the background from 84 to 94. And everything went off the, the wheels in 94. But certainly there was this facade of a well-balanced life and something that I had, you know, slowly begun to get a grip on and, and listen to the different ways I was going to manage all of these various emotions and, and see myself through the trying times. And regardless if it ever, you know, actually was as crystal clear as I would have liked it to have been, at least I was having this internal uh dialogue with myself and saying, okay, how can I get a better grasp on what's actually happening around me? Right? When you get into the idea of what it is you're going to move forward, being passionate and, and purpose-driven about, start stepping into it at the, at, the, at the smaller levels where you're getting curious and interested in things. And, when you, and what will natu- naturally gravitate towards you will become a passion. And then you can light it up into your purpose. When people used to say that, um, do, do, do the thing that you love and you'll never work a day in your life, eventually everything eventually starts to feel like work. Even an athlete or a musician or a model at some point wakes up and says, I really don't want to go do this today. Ugh, why can't I just stay at home and chill? But if it's your purpose is to go out there and, 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 and to provide entertainment and to succeed at a sporting event or in the musician world, you know, then or whatever other thing is out there, you, if you attach it to a higher value, if you, if you can elicit the value that, that drawing that purpose out of you is going to help you attain, then boom, now all of a sudden, yes, some days are easier than others. I'll be the first to admit it. Danny C. Muniz, who taught you guys about astrology at the beginning of the interview series, she's always hitting me up with text messages saying, hey, Gemini's in the moon, or this is happening, and you're going to find communication easier today, or this is going to be whatever it might be. It, it allows me to understand this ebb and flow of my emotions that's going on. And again, f- absolute grip on every little aspect of your life at any point in during any day is, 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 it's inhumane to think that of yourself. So when we discuss regaining a connection with yourself, right, and understanding that curiosity leads to interest, which leads to passions, which leads to purpose. And if you're looking for what your purpose is for why you are, why you desired to get sober or are looking to get sober and move into an addiction recovery world, then start touching upon the things that always manifested as curiosity and interest in your life. And then the passion and the purpose will come. When I ask myself, when I, why have I lost a connection with myself? When and this happens, right? I have to look back and ask myself, where have I lost the authentic me? that is using this integrity-driven purpose to move my life forward. I'm ready for anything life wants to throw my way, and I'm not always sure where I should be stepping forward and where I should be stepping back. So once you're ready for me, once you're ready for sobriety and addiction recovery, once I was ready for these things, then that's when you know you're ready to work. If you're up to episode 80 freaking six of this show and you doubt your willingness to work on yourself, let me assure you, anyone who's made it this far 
is ready to work. In fact, you're not ready to work. You have been working. Since episode one, you have been working. Not every day will you come in to the house dripping with sweat, dirty from a yard work with calluses on your hands. Some days the work is internal and it's merely this emotional overload, overwhelming sensation that you need to, to uh, breathe and, 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 and get yourself through. We have this idea in our heads, at least maybe I do, because I was raised on this family farm, that hard work is me out in the blazing sun, picking weeds, but with my hands, you know, chasing the raccoons out of the, the tomato field. When in reality, so much of this work that we're doing is, is going on internal, and it's done in the shadows where there aren't spotlights on us, where people don't even realize the trials and tribulations that we're putting ourselves through in, in order to come out feeling and hearing and seeing things in a whole new light, in a whole new way. So when you look at what the next year could attain for you, what you could attain for yourself in this coming year, the 2020 wasn't a wash. If anything, it was the most amazing, amazing journey that we could put ourselves through in sobriety and recovery, help in just normal life, because we really had to test our own foundation for how we deliver strength to ourselves. Mid-March, everyone's world just got completely earthquaked 10.0. And how we handled that and the way we talk about it and the way we debate about it and the way we argue about it and the way we feel about masks and the way we feel about, you know, um, pandemic uh, closures of things, the, the way we walk out of all of this will speak volumes for the overall energy that we feel around our lives. I am living in Los Angeles. I'm about freaking tired of not being able to go inside of a restaurant and eat. I don't understand why Six Flags isn't open here, yet it's open in other major cities across the United States, and they seem to be doing fine with it. I temper back any kind of animosity or anger I would have because maybe there are aspects of this I just don't see. I can only see things from my perspective. You can only see things from your perspective. Ready to hear the message and show up? This is what everybody has to deal with at any given time. The messages we hear from the media, the message we hear from the, our, our, our social circles, the message we hear from our inner, inner community that is the one that helps guide us and, and, and keep us on our path, right? We, being ready to hear what they have to say and even remotely accept it into ourselves has any kind of verifiable proof is all up to us. Recently, I've really gotten anxious with myself about the way that I communicate with the people I consider the closest to me. There's still a part of me that wants to mute myself, not necessarily about how I feel about certain hot button issues or what I feel about their doing with their lives. Because again, I've stepped into the idea that everybody's living their own life and now everyone's staring at their phone wondering when Jesse's going to reach out or when Jesse's going to post his next podcast or I hope Jesse says something great about uh, sobriety and recovery on Instagram today because most of us are just sort of bebopping our way through life. And if, if something pops in, it pops in, but it's not like we're sitting there like, please send me positive vibes today. Jesse, <laughs> no one's doing that. I mean, maybe, but the likelihood is very minimal. And so stop putting so much weight on yourself when you think about reaching out to someone you haven't talked to in a while. 
Stop doing these things that cause you to feel this anxiousness inside of you. Because we as humans tend to believe that we are the center of the universe because in our own heads, our own ego drives us to believe that we are the center of our universe. That's true. In in our heads, our ego is there to keep us safe and protected and, and, and to keep us moving forward. Is that always in the best way? No, because my ego certainly drove me off the bridge many a time during my addiction. So when you start to look at ways that you can move forward to this amazing self that you know you have inside of you, going into the end of 2020 and moving over into 2021, a lot of us are going to be looking at ways that we can connect better with those that are closest to us or even connect better with ourselves. My friends may not even know what I am capable of being or what I yearn to become or what I have already achieved. I'm yearning for these deeper connections, these deeper conversations, but I have to show up that way to them for them to even realize that I have become that person. I have been manipulating myself uh, in a positive way to grow and to achieve these different varying levels of recovery, right? And now uh, I've learned so much, but so many people have no clue where where I am now. They can only see who I've been. Passingly scrolling through social media and seeing something I say gives them an idea of what I can write, but does it give them an idea of how they can interact around me? Boundaries in place are important because you want to make sure that your voice is shining through and you feel confident with where you're moving your life toward. But putting boundaries in place that block your growth is is, um, anti-something. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when, when I think about wanting to communicate, communicate better with my dad, he may not even know that I'm, I'm, I'm desiring this because so, for so many years, it was football and learning and it was just talking about these surface level things, right? When, when people come to you and they're talking to you about their stuff, when people come to me and they bring up their stuff in the DMs or, or when they email me or when they approach me and we talk on the phone or Zoom or whatever it might look like, when people come to me for coaching, when people come into my group classes and say, Jesse, I'm ready to achieve something beyond even my wildest dreams, my, very, my, my big, fat, hairy, audacious goal, let's make that a reality. When they step into that world and they're ready to share with me, I honor that. And whenever I start finding myself not honoring it, I take a step back and say, dude, get present. Because when somebody shares something deep and meaningful with you, their dreams, their aspirations, their wants, their fears, their frustrations, that's powerful. So happiness is the joy I feel when I'm driving toward my purpose. And communication is like literally in Everything that I do, all my programs have some spattering of communication. I call myself the the unconscious communication strategist whenever I go into some of these presentations that I'm doing. Unconsciously communicating is extremely important to me because then it becomes a habit and it just becomes your default. And then you don't have to worry about whether you're communicating at a deeper level. It just is occurring. There are these little joys that we're all going to experience in our lives that the people who are, I would call them normies, just take for granted. 
the, the, the sure thrill I got from being able to go to a store and realizing that brand new sets of pillows were only 30 bucks. And it was like laying my head down on the bed and having God caress me with his cloudy fingers, right? I didn't realize that pillows were even that cheap. I've been walking by them for years in the store and never even bothered to look at them because I just assumed they were a hundred bucks. How many times have you walked by something just assuming that it was unattainable for you until you stopped and actually looked at it and was like, wait, 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 what? It's $30 for these amazing new pillows? Why have I been walking by this aisle for the last 10 years and sleeping on pillows that stink and are yellow when I take off the pillowcase? The hunt is where the joy is. When people say it's not the the destination, it's the journey, right? It's all about the journey, not the destination. And I get so, mm, I just want to throw elbows sometimes because I'm like, no, I want to get to that destination. I want to achieve that thing. But when I get to the destination, when I'm holding up my metaphorical trophy and I've achieved it, all that's waiting for me is another is another mountain peak. My business is called All the Way Up because uh, that's what I want to do. I want to go all the way up to the top of the mountain. And every time I've made it to the top of a mountain, from that mountain, I see somewhere else that I could climb. may not be as tall because I've climbed, you know, only a couple, but the the mountains I climbed around me, it was the tallest peak. But you get to the top of the peak and you see other peaks that you could travel. So all that ends up happening is you achieve a goal and then you're just ready to add another goal to it. Football players seem like they just go blase through the entire season and, you know, they get to hold up the trophy at the end and you see them smiling and cheering. And then you later learn that, you know, a month later they were back in the office watching game tape, preparing for the next season. I'm like, man, you didn't even look like you enjoyed the journey through the season because it was all about, well, will we make it to the playoffs? And then will we make it to the Super Bowl? And then will we win the Super Bowl? Where was the enjoying of the journey? It's in that hunt that the real enjoyment happens because that's where you're overcoming these trials and tribulations and these hurdles and you're resetting boundaries and you're overcoming blocks and you're just, you're challenging yourself and God, it feels so good. God, I I love challenging myself. The hunt is in the challenge. The hunt is the challenge. The hunt for the destination. Right? Life isn't Google Maps. You don't automatically know exactly where you're going to end up and how long it's going to take you. Life is the opposite of Google Maps. It is, it is not knowing where the hell you are in a major city and you just arrived there in a car and you're trying to find a museum and you don't have a clue. You just know it's somewhere downtown. <laughs> That's life. Life is all these squiggly lines. It is not a straight line with an arrow going upward. So are you committed to today? Are you thinking about what today can bring you on this journey, in this hunt? Having this idea of going out and achieving that goal, absolutely. I have this goal of a certain kind of body or a certain weight or a certain level of income or a certain level of communication with, with my love, loving, amazing, loyal community. I have a certain a goal set forth with an RV where I can travel from addiction center to colleges and I can spread my, my message of growth mindset and positive habit creation and unconscious communication. I mean, this is the stuff that fires me up. I will do it for the rest of my life and willingly without ever feeling like it's taking any energy away from me because this energy manifests itself. In fact, if I hold it in, it, will, it, it, it starts to bog me down. I haven't worked out in a little while because I'm still recovering from my neck injury and I'm noticing this internal energy is driving me freaking wild. 
getting on the microphone now for the first time in a month with you guys is driving. I, mean, I feel the energy. I know you feel the energy because my voice keeps going up and down and fluctuating. And I'm like, are you committed to today? If the only thing that you're keeping an eye on is what life might look like in 10 years or five years, you know, constantly asking of yourself to reaffirm the commitment you have to a lifetime of sobriety and this amazing journey that we call addiction recovery, and then you're not making today enjoyable, that's not sustainable. Doing things that you do not enjoy is is only going to be sustainable for so long. And eventually, you're going to be like, F this, I, broccoli sucks. I'm not the biggest fan of broccoli. So one day, I started chopping it up into smaller bits so that it would be easier to eat. And it turns out, I like it a lot better chopped up into tiny, 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 tiny little pieces. Throw some salt and pepper on there with some balsamic vinegar. And you know what? I'll eat broccoli till the cows come home now. I don't like it as much as I like an awesome medium rare steak or a delicious batch of fresh out of the air fryer onion rings by no stretch of the imagination. But I got to eat the broccoli. Got to get the iron, got to get the good calcium, got to get the good nutrients that broccoli provides. But if I kept trying to just shove down huge stalks of broccoli into my, into my talk hole, thinking that eventually I was just going to love it, then I, I was fooling myself. If you were sitting there at the dinner table shoving broccoli into your mouth, even though it sucks, eventually you're going to get tired of eating broccoli. And yeah, you might introduce it two or three or four times a month, but you won't eat it at every meal, which is the true way for broccoli to really um, help your body out. So figure out other ways to consume the broccoli. Figure out other ways to find the path of least resistance for you to achieve what it is you desire in your life. If you can quit things when they no longer serve you, that is a strength, not a weakness. At some point in our childhoods, and I know I was told this, that you know you don't quit things, uh, quitting is for the weak, uh, only losers quit. The fact of the matter is, is it's not quitting if you've literally sat down with yourself and said, is this really the way I want my life to go moving forward? Is this really the way you want to have your life moving forward? It's an easy question. The answer is not, but it's an easy question. Quitting um, drugs and alcohol is, is great if that's where you're at in your life. If that's what you're ready to step into, I promise you it will be easy as freaking hell because I was either going to quit or die and I didn't want to die. I just wanted to live differently. If you're young and you're still in high school sports and you're really tired of playing baseball, but the coaches, oh, come on, play baseball. And what you really want to be doing is, I don't know, playing lacrosse or badminton or chess with the nerds and where I would have been, come quit baseball. Join me in the library. We'll play some chess. Nerd freedom right? Whatever. But if you allow other people to tell you what you should be doing with your life and you just keep choking down that broccoli, you're going to turn around one day and wonder where your voice went. I can assure you, you willingly gave up your voice rather than speak up for yourself. Speak up for yourself to yourself. Quitting something that no longer serves you is not quitting something. It is merely pivoting to a different choice point. Quitting something because you lost or quitting something in the anger of an emotion, that is quitting. 
stomping out the door all pissed off because a conversation didn't go the way you wanted it. And so you break up the relationship or you no longer talk to that person, right? That's quitting because you did it in an emotionally triggered state that is neither beneficial for you or the receiver of your emotionally triggered state. And if the emotionally triggered state is literally happening inside your head, and now you're arguing with all these different versions of yourself inside your head, who the hell's in charge? Now you got now you've got the Senate or the House or you know or the, the the British Parliament going on in your head where everyone's just screaming at each other, but no one's listening to each other. Are you committed to what you want to do today? Have you figured out a way to make it sustainable? Are you are you chopping up the broccoli into tiny little pieces so that it, it washes down easier? It may not always taste like ribs and french fries, but by God, it doesn't have to be the worst thing on the planet. When you know that you're leaving a something, when you're making a choice because it no longer serves you, you're making this choice point and you can draw a direct line from where you'll be in the future to leaving something today, then quitting it today. Knowing that about yourself is one of the most powerful things that you could ever be expected of a human. There will be no reason for you to commit long-term if you're not enjoying the journey along the way. If all you're doing is thinking about the future and not living in the present, then you're constantly seeking this happiness from something that's really far away. The true measure of the attainability of a goal is your ability to take one step every single day toward it. That's discipline. That's principle number five of my college success habits book. Be decisive is is number three. Decide you want to do something. Be courageous, principle number two, and say, that's it. I'm done with the cocaine Be decisive and say you're done with the cocaine. Take action. Taking action on not doing cocaine, it's pretty simple. Just don't snort freaking cocaine. Be disciplined that every single time you go out or you have some drinks, you know going into it, there is zero possibility that you snort the cocaine. Be flexible while you're going through all of this and know that if somebody brings the cocaine to a party that you're at, it's time for you to exit us. It's time for you to exit us. Embody tenacity in this tenaciousness. You show up as the best version of yourself every day. And if the best version of yourself every day is just getting rid of the cocaine, but it's still dabbling in the booze, then by all means, who am I to tell you otherwise? Just stop doing what it is you know you want to stop doing. You don't need anyone else to tell you what that is. Somebody else might want you to stop doing a lot of other things. But if the number one focus you're having today is stop self-sabotaging and abusing yourself with the copious amounts of cocaine every day, then by God, make that your number one freaking priority. If you want to go for hikes and somebody's like, well, don't hike too much. It might mess up your knees. You hike until your knees are falling apart. Hike until you can't hike anymore. Stop letting other people put their perspective of their limitations upon you. Because whatever they're doing inside their own head, whether, whether it's to, to keep you safe or whether it's, it's to uh, uh, act like what they're doing is trying to protect you, but they're really trying to live in their own little bubble where maybe they have some knee injuries and they, they can't hike and, they don't, and they, therefore they don't want to see you hike because then that tells them that they should have gotten their ass up off the couch, rehab their knee injury better, and they could also be hiking. You don't know what the person's intention is deep down inside. They can say whatever they want to say. They might even believe that what they're saying really is coming from a place of true positive intention. 
There might be a shadow self inside of them that doesn't even realize that what they're doing or saying or how they're feeling toward you is even manipulative in the slightest. When we talk about NLP, a lot of people think that it's manipulation and it's not. There's a difference between manipulation and influence. Manipulation is doing something that you know is only going to benefit you and not them. Influence is where you guide somebody towards a place where what you're doing um, can be positive for both of you. When you say I love you to your partner and you kiss them, that can be seen as manipulative if you're trying to get them to love you back for your own dastardly deeds and needs. But if you say that you love them and, and, and the idea is for the influence them to see that you love them and that they can trust you and be there for you and therefore you can trust them and be there for them, that's a, that's a positive outcome. Manipulation is, an, is, is, a, is a one-sided outcome. Influence is a two-sided outcome. Fellowship is the act of giving back, and that's why we go to these meetings. If you go to these meetings to only take, then you're manipulating. If you go to these meetings in order to receive and give, right? You cannot feel fulfilled if all you do is take, 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 take. Without giving, there can be no receiving. So in order to be, if you're manipulative, then all you want to do is take. If you want to be influential, then you give in order to receive. I give of this podcast and then I receive these amazing messages back to you that this, what, what I say is helping. I think that this, honest to God, has been like a f- almost an hour-long tangent, but it's been so long since I've been on the microphone and so much is going through my head. And I Look, it will resonate with those it resonates with. You will reach out if you reach out. If you want to be in a group coaching class and you want some of this fired up stuff all the time, let's do it. I'm launching something that's going to be happening in November. And honest to God, I think it will benefit every single person who shows up. And those who don't show up, it will benefit you later when you're ready to put in the work. But I am not here to drag you to the watering hole. I want to see that you're already trying to drink the water, but in a certain area of your life, it's just not working. You might be crushing it in your education and striving towards your career, but lacking in your relationships. You might be totally rocking out the relationships, but noticing that your career, your schooling is starting to falter. You're not having that passion anymore. Perhaps it's something within yourself and you know that you could lose that weight or you could communicate with yourself better. You could release these limiting beliefs, right? And that's where your problem area lies. Our lives are are so, have so many aspects to them that because we're kicking ass in one area, that we might be thinking we're kicking ass in all the other areas, when in fact, we're really neglecting those other areas. Because if we had to step back and actually pay attention to them, we'd realize they're not as far along as this one area that I'm referencing. Have I said the word area enough yet? (laughs) You could be rocking your body and working out constantly, but communicating like crap with your partner. So you just ignore the communication with your partner crap in favor of focusing on your body stuff. But at some point, that lack of communication is going to come calling. We go to these meetings, we have this fellowship with one another because we're looking to give back to the community. Believe in something strong enough and it will show itself. Take this curiosity, this interest, and turn it into a passion and a purpose. Not everything in life has to be about recovery. Yes, the fact that I speak the language of addiction recovery makes my message more valuable or as even, or I don't know the adjective to use here. It just makes it extremely valuable to those of you in addiction recovery because I understand the trials and tribulations that we have all gone through for years and perhaps even decades. But it doesn't mean that my message is only for people in addiction recovery. 
but I definitely have a fire inside my belly to help people who are sober, curious, and getting into sobriety and want to step into a full-fledged, awesome, oh my God, I can't believe this is what addiction recovery is like mentality, sense of feeling and being and hearing and seeing. Because the reason why I feel like addiction recovery and and my early stages of sobriety seem to come so effortless to me is because the moment I stepped into sobriety, aside for the month of detox that my body put me through afterwards, I started cleaning my apartment and I started lifting some light weights and I started eating healthier and I started picking up magazines and books that I found interesting and going online. and, And I was so curious about the way that the brain works and the way that emotional trauma can affect our, our future decision-making process. I just started gobbling all this up. Went to a leadership conference three months, four months in and was like, oh my God, this is what NLP can do for me. And this is what I can help other people achieve because look what I was able to do with it in just three days. I teach NLP right now. You want to sit down and learn some NLP? Let's get together. Let's get a group together. I've I've got a planned training coming up in December. Let's teach you some NLP so that you can step into 2020 a bigger, better badass than you already know you are. But the fact of the matter is, is if you do not make your addiction recovery sustainable and you do not enjoy it along the way, you will not be able to push through and power through when the times get tough. Everything in life is achievable if you're willing to prioritize it. And you can only prioritize so many things. So at some point you have to sit down and say, what is the next smallest step towards my most important goal right now? You have to begin to prioritize your steps and your goals. Will everything be effortless and easy all the time? It won't be. It, it just, it is not possible. I know I don't use definitives often. And to say something's not possible goes against a lot of my internal t- thinking and talking. But to expect every single second of every single day to just be the Smurfs traipsing around in the woods dancing around their mas- magic mushroom homes is, is, is it's irresponsible to even think that way. At some point, Gargamel and his evil cat or his evil cat and Gargamel, I don't, I don't never knew which one was called Gargamel, but at one point, the crazy old dude with a bag and a, and a crazy old cat are going to show up and try to kidnap you out of the woods. There's going to be some things that are going to be an ebb and flow. There's going to be some ups and downs to life. Step one, don't eat strange ass mushrooms in the freaking woods and maybe you won't see blue people dancing around singing la 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 all the time. Plant a garden and stop eating strange food. <laughs> back to basics. Go back and ask yourself what got you curious about sobriety a long time ago? What got you interested in pursuing this as a new lifestyle? What are you passionate about now? What were you passionate about when you were younger? No matter how much trauma you had in your life, there were always things that you were curious and interested in. And perhaps your parents or your teacher, preacher, the society at at large wouldn't open up that door for you when you were younger to step into really meeting that curiosity with interest and turning it into something you were passionate about. But now you're an adult and now you're in charge of your life. Now you have the choice about what to get curious and interested in and how to tu- and how and when to turn that into a passion and a purpose. When things start to seem the most overwhelming, strip it back to the basics. 
I read about in Rolling Stone all the time, and I'll, and I'll leave you on this, that so many musicians, after they get an album two, three, five down, they look back and their, their, their sound has evolved so much that it doesn't even really sound all that much like it did in their first album. And a lot of them will strip their music back and go back to the basics of what originally they were doing that got them fired up to be a musician anyways. And rarely does that turn out to be a bad thing for them. The audience may not necessarily appreciate it because they've evolved their listening taste to that musician the way that the musician has has brought them along that evolution journey. But it doesn't matter what we as the consumer think about it because the music isn't always for us. It's for them. And the fact that they have a platform to release it upon so that we can hear it, then we, we should feel blessed and be humbled by the, the fact that they're sharing this deep, deep thing that they feel and, and releasing it so that we can hear it, so that we can begin to see these imaginations and daydreams unfold in our head because this music has guided us there. This podcast is very similar to that. I hope that you lose track of what I'm saying throughout the episode because you're off daydreaming about the awesome stuff you're going to create in your life. And if you're tired of that stuff just being a daydream and you're really ready to step into it, I am not on a pedestal. I am not a million miles away. I am a keyboard away. I am an email away. I am so close that you could literally reach out and touch me. But you have to make that first step. I do not always know those who want to talk to me. There is nothing at all that you cannot achieve. And when you start to feel overwhelmed by where your sobriety and recovery has taken you because you've 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 evolved so much from where you were day one that now it's 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 almost overcomplicated to go back and start to to strip yourself back down to where it was and where it started. I guarantee if you just stop and say, write down all the things that you've achieved. Well, you could be at month one or you could be at month 100, but write down the things that you've achieved and then go back and look at how many of those you could have actually even foreseen being a possibility. Because until you achieve one thing, you don't even know that the next thing is waiting behind it. Oh, I hope one day I can be a public speaker. Well, what would you talk about? I don't know. Be positive. Now the depth of the things I can talk about is so vast, it could fill the Marianas Trench. But I can't just go off speaking about everything or, or, or my, mus- my message gets muddled. So I, I stick with very clear things that I'm passionate about. Conscious communication at an unconscious level. Positive habit creation. Developing a growth mindset. These, to me, are the three foundations of what it is to to be me. And whenever I get upset with the way my life is going, I can generally draw it back to the communication aspect of it because I've done this exercise. I'm going to leave you guys on that because I already broke an hour. I, I, I think that this was like a basically an hour long tangent. So uh, for those of you who hit me up on the Instagrams and the DMs and the emails and said you love my tangents, congratulations, you just got a whole hour of one. Whatever you're looking to achieve in the year 2021, it is possible. But if you get down, you know, when you've ever gone and, fi- and people have been like, okay, let's, let's figure out what you're going to do next year. Let's figure out how you can use this stuff I just taught you to improve your life. And then you're like, yeah, I mean, I sort of kind of care about what we're talking about here and doing this aspect of my life. But there's also these other 10 things. Then you haven't really tapped into what it is that makes you passionate about a certain area of your life and why that's where you want to start putting a ton of purpose. 
We're going to talk more about that as this month goes on, right? October is only halfway through. Here comes November right around the bend. And really, you know, I, I really wanted to get excited about October and, and talk more about what it's like to be sober curious and move into. And that's what we're doing today. Getting back to basics and understanding where we were at day one. And if you're if you're still a hundred days away from day one, or you're ten thousand days past day one, either way, we know a better version of ourselves is is out there, and it's time to stop going from well, I would have done that, I should have done that, I could have done that, to bringing that to a I'm doing that now level of fruition. I love all of you. Inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Always remember that every day is the best day of your life because you woke up sober. After that, it's all up to you what you're going to create. It's all up to you on how the day is going to unfold. But just at least know at the very minimum you're doing it sober. Love you guys. Bye-bye. 